Welcome to the Mega Blast Podcast. I'm your host, Jason McDonald. My goal is to get to the truth through conversation. The Mega Blast Podcast is produced by Arts and Opinion, an online journal housed at the Archives of Canada. Visit us at artsandopinion.com. I hope you enjoy today's guest. Okay, I'm here with Roy Epen. Welcome, Roy. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Uh, Roy Epen, you are the candidate for the Conservative Party of Quebec. Yeah, the Parti Conservateur de Quebec. Yeah. In NDG. That's correct. Right. Okay. So the objective of this conversation is sort of, well, threefold. Uh, I want to talk about the Conservative Party of Quebec, which is relatively new in its recent incarnation, the election, and your personal history, which is interesting as well. Um, so I wanted to start with your personal history. You're, you're a doctor, and you were born in India. That's right. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, at what age did you immigrate here? So uh, my father came to Canada by boat. He came on a freight boat. He got a scholarship to McGill um, in 1956, and he was getting his PhD in, in nuclear physics at the Foster Labs because the fo- wow. Dr. Foster was one of the a very famous uh, physicists of the day. Um, and he was living on $1,500 a year. Um, he used to tell me stories about he would open a can, he was living in a rooming house, he would open a can of sardines in the morning, put half on a piece of bread, and then in the evening he would eat the other half of the can of sardines, and he lived like that. And he managed to save enough money to go back to India, he got married to my mother, who was a physician, um, and she got pregnant then, and then he came back to Canada, and two years later I came to, to Canada. So I As came, a baby. As a baby. As a, I was about two. So I came in 1963 as a, as a two-year-old, and we moved to uh, Sherbrooke Street, um, just next to the Montreal Association for the Blind. Oh, yeah. NDG um, near Loyola. Right? Near Loyola, because yeah. my father was working, cause got a job working at Loyola. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, boy, that's a wonderful story. My mother came to Montreal on a boat as well. In 1957, she passed away a little while ago. And, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, just earlier this year. And so in her effects was um, her first passport was a British. She was born in the U.K., and uh, it had the stamp, you know, Liverpool, Quebec. I guess she landed in Quebec City. I don't know, you know. And so that that's sort of a common, I mean, experience for that generation of immigrants was so, to come so, by boat, land at the port, and kind of start out with. So very my little. father came by boat, but my my father saved enough money that my mother and I came on Trans Canadian Airlines and. Wow. It was a weird... I, I have well, that was vague, the 60s by then. Yeah, right? it was yeah. the early 60s. Yeah. So I have vague recollections that they gave me a hot dog and, and I threw up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you grew up in Montreal and yep. uh, you've practiced, you've been a doctor for a long time now and you've been... Uh, yeah. yeah, so I went to Rosedale Elementary School and then I went to Westville and I went to Marianopolis and there's a program in Quebec that you can go to medical school after CJEP. And I was really you know, I was wow. able to do that. So I was a physician by the time I was 23, 24. Wow. Okay. And um, I've been working at St. Mary's, which is a McGill-affiliated 
uh, hospital, and I'm an assistant professor at McGill. Okay. Whatever that, that means. That, that's, that's my wife's favorite hospital, St. Mary's. Uh, and I, I should explain why, because it sort of connects to some of the things I wanted to talk about. She She's an immigrant from a Latin American country, and so she doesn't speak English, but she speaks French. And she, you know, she's had to sometimes has to go to the hospital for tests. So they send her sometimes to the Jewish, sometimes to St. Mary's. And she says that because those are both English hospitals, obviously. Um, so she goes in and she speaks in French. And of course, in both those hospitals, they serve her in French. But she notices a distinct difference in the kind of the attitude. She says at St. Mary's, they're just much more warm and friendly. And I don't know what, ex and that Jew, the Jewish, I don't know if that's, I don't know what the reason for that is. I, I don't know? want to say anything bad about yeah, the Jewish. No, it's, it's a, a great it's hospital. It's a very I don't, good yeah, hospital. Yeah. I have many, many right. friends. This, this who is a there. cultural difference of some kind. But, but St. Mary's, we really are much more of a family. The doctors are a family. The nurses are a family. Every yeah. every cleaning staff says hello to me. I, right. I speak to them and we have chats over things. And So there's I, a warmth. It's, first of all, it's smaller, too. Yeah, That's one it's thing, smaller. Right? And we, yeah. we, we try hard to, to make sure that the patients have a good experience. I mean, you know, it's hard these days. In the last two or three years have been a disaster Tough. for that kind of thing. But, you know, uh, we really try to make it, you know, a family-friendly kind of place. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, well, it's working. that shows. It's, it's, it, no, it's working. I mean, this is this is a crossing over into the linguistic thing. I, it strikes me that part of that... We're a very, yeah. very multicultural area, St. Mary's. You know, yeah. we have people from literally every part of the world. And we do our best to make sure that they're comfortable in whatever language they are. I mean, we have nurses who speak and doctors and other people who speak many different languages, and we try to accommodate them as best we can, which is and, and you another also, reason yeah. I don't like Bill 96. <laughs> yeah, good. We're, we're going we're gonna to come back to Bill 96 in a minute, but just this is nice. It's a nice feature of St. Mary's. It's It sort of seems like a cultural difference in some senses. Like, you know, the, the Jewish, again, it's bigger, and I, I, I don't know what it is. It's more sort of informal, uh, more formal at the Jewish, something like that. So maybe that translates into this family thing. Because I'm sure at the Jewish there are doctors who speak all kind of different languages. Oh, they are. All that kind of stuff. Like it's uh, not it, that's sort of a, a generality. And it, yeah. It's I in mean, the same, there are a few blocks apart, in, right? In the, the, two, the two hospitals look, are not like. Look, you know, I mean, yeah. all healthcare institutions of every English, French, whatever, our, our job is to communicate with the patients yeah. in order so we get the best information so that we can do the best thing for the patient. So none of us want to do anything that are going to interfere with that. If, if your Unless goal is the, the, what's that oath that doctors the, take? The Hippocratic oath. Yeah, yes. right. So, so do no harm. So the first thing you want to do is understand what the patient is suffering, which means you want to communicate with the Communication patient, right? is the key. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what language is for, communication. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so why don't we get on to that right now? That you, you, you mentioned Bill 96. I wanted to talk about Bill 101 as well. Um, but just to stick on the, the healthcare part about Bill 96, I wanted to clarify with you because I've read about this bill and I've, I've heard people talking about it and I've heard conflicting things. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've heard is that doctors, you know, like this is what I understand Bill 96 is supposed to mean. And maybe you can confirm if that's the case and what the Conservative Party would do about that if elected. I am a what do you call it, a traditional or Anglophone, Dessouche Anglophone in the sense that I was born in Canada and I went to school in English. So as I understand it, I could, 
even under Bill 96, I could say, I want my doctor to speak to me in English. That's correct. At an English-speaking institution, not at a French one. I think at a French one, I'm not sure I could demand that. But but I could, and I could receive it. But um, yeah, I'm just going to use my wife when she learns English. Not that she would do this. But she, if she were to go in and say, I want the doctor to speak to me in English, she would be refused. Is that correct? Because she was not born That's here. the way Is I that, understand it. I mean... Yeah. You know, it's hard for me to actually, because this hasn't really gone into effect yet. So it's hard for me to know what's actually going to happen, because I can't imagine even in French institutions this happening, because yeah. it would it would impede clinical care. Um, the problem with Bill, you know, I'm I'm all in favor that I come from a country where we have 16 official languages in India. Yeah. You know, you people here think... <laughs> Two languages are a problem. Most children in India have to learn four languages, many of them with different alphabets. Yeah. So, you know, like, for heaven's sake, everyone here should learn French. Obviously, um, you yeah. know, I Most think people that, do. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. think it's, it's, it's a, gr a great thing, and I think it's good to integrate immigrants into the French society. Um, my problem with all of these laws is that I, I'm not so much in favor of coercion and more in favor of making it, you know, making it uh, something that people want to do. Um, you catch more flies with honey rather than exactly. Bill ninety six violates yeah. violates the Quebec, not the Canadian Human Rights Charter, but the Quebec Human Rights Charter in thirty eight different ways. Wow. Um, if you have a law that violates sort of a very fundamental law. It's wrong, yeah. um, and that's why we oppose Bill ninety six. I mean, we would probably still do some of some of the things that Bill one hundred one does because Bill one hundred one has actually been relatively successful. I was quite against it at the beginning, but I've learned to sort of live with it because it's basically uh, integrated uh, immigrants well into society here, and I think that that that's good, and it, it it's helped the uh, French community feel more comfortable. Um, that their language is going to be preserved, but again, I say coercion is probably not the best answer in those in those situations. And a lot of immigrants um, from my community, at least, have left Quebec uh, because of some of these laws. Um, and we've made Toronto a much wealthier place. Yeah, um, the the connection between Bill One Hundred One and Bill Ninety Six. Um, you know, because the, the, both laws have several different, you know, aspects that they promote. So you can look at, you can't just say, you know, I, I support Bill 101 or I support Bill 96 in my view because they're, you're talking about different things. So if you ask me for Bill 96, well, if it means that a doctor is going to be forced to speak English or to speak French with a patient who, you know, doesn't speak French but only speaks English who's from another country, that strikes me as strange, but also very difficult to enforce. I mean, I don't understand. Yeah, what are, they, are they going to sure. go into offices of doctors and listen I think in? they're going to set up, I don't know I whether they're going to do this unless people snitch, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, <laughs> the, I, which, which is sort of terrifying. Yeah. But, you know, lines, right. You know, you know, so that's a that's an open question. I'm not a big fan of the yeah. Of the, so of, so of, sticking of sticking on the negative sides. I've also heard that they can that um, the gov speaking of snitching, that if English is being used in um, a, a business, say um, that pe that people can if it's they call the snitch line, which is anonymous. This is what I've heard. That the the office Quebecois de la langue française can go into a, a business without a warrant and seize 
computers and other things to look for communication. I, I maybe, can't. Yeah, I can't, you don't know. About I don't know that. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert stuff. in Bill 96. The, <laughs> okay. the, the parts that right. I, I, I'm more aware of the healthcare, of the, of the healthcare right. because um, I've heard that too. I hope that's not true, but, you know. Yeah, because to, uh, to me, that strikes me as, as I mean, you know, that that would be only in my, this is my personal view, would be warranted if there I were some sort of terrorism type thing. I think that's right? constitutional, yeah. but, you know, yeah. I mean, a lot of this law will, you know, is going to, I mean, I personally think that this was done to sort of uh, cause problems with the federal government. Um, Picking I mean, a fight with Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah just just on that I, I i think that it's it's based my the reason why it is done i think that he wants to send a signal to his base he wants oh, to send I a think signal he wants to right? he wants to try and revive this sovereignty yeah. the sovereignty discussion i think yeah. he wants to say that quebec is humiliated when this law will be declared unconstitutional um and he's being very upset because mr trudeau and this and the, they have not and the tories the have not taken the bait yeah, um so you know i mean there at at the cac convention there was a motion to have a, a referendum on sovereignty at one point which was withdrawn but i mean that's there and underneath i mean i don't think yeah. I think this is the. I, I I heard you say this on a podcast the other day. I, I thought it was earlier. I listened to it the other day. Mm -hmm. but I think it was from June, and I found that somewhat amazing to to learn that because the CAC's brand vis-a-vis -vis sovereignty is yeah, Canada's cool. You know, we can deal with it. You know, maybe we'll have a referendum in ten or twenty, maybe fifty years. But you know, it's a beneficial situation. So to learn that there actually was enough. Of an impetus to put that onto an agenda, even though it didn't get it didn't the, get it onto didn't, the yeah. agenda. But I mean, the fact that it was proposed to me is incredible, really, and that's something for people to think about. But okay, so just to return, so those are the negative aspects. Is it possible to make a case that Bill ninety six, if it were stripped of some of those negative aspects, it might have a place? Just for example, when I hear the proposals to have. Um, French courses in, in English Sejeps, I actually don't find that so crazy. And listen, if I could explain, I, I don't yeah, mind. It's... I don't mind that. The problem was that what the Liberals did was put these in place for kids who are going to school now, right. and you are going right. to cause a lot of trouble for children who are now in school. The Liberals did this. Yeah. Well, Birnbaum in included a a phase to make things worse. Oh. Okay, could you explain this? Because I heard this, and maybe so you could, yeah. so Birnbaum said, you know, we should do more more French courses in the, in the CGEP and do it earlier. Um, and he didn't ask the CGEPs. He so didn't. He Birnbaum didn't. is a liberal in LA. He was. He was. Okay, he was. Right. As you probably have noticed, uh, fifteen of the liberal MNAs have stepped down, okay. and I don't think the liberals. I think the liberals only got one hundred and twenty four. Uh, candidates in the Is last right? in the run. last wow. few few weeks, they have been scrambling. They could not find candidates. Um, this is amazing. Wow. So the party this that was the ruling party of this province for, for many <laughs> for many years yeah. could not find enough candidates uh, to to fill their quota. Um, I think they 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 decided. So their problem was they they had lost a lot of support in in the French community. Um, so they were down at seven, eight percent among the francophone community, and so they they thought, you know yeah. what, uh, the anglophones are our hostages, and that's what Eric says. They are our hostages, so we don't care. They're not going to care whatever we do. 
We can do whatever. So let's make Bill 96 worse to see if we can get Because we're going to get the angle. We're going to win all our seats but, on the island of Montreal anyway, so I we think, might as well reach out. Yeah. That's the strategy, right? Yeah, but you know what? <clears throat> Yeah. They basically have lost a lot of support among the Anglophone community. We're running around 20, 22% among, in, in the English speaking writing. So, you know, there's, there's a shift, you know, I mean, uh, four years ago, my friends who were campaigning for the PCQ, uh, were saying that people were slamming the doors in their faces and spitting at them. And now people are very open. Um, they're not necessarily all going to vote for us, but you know they're open to talking to us, and uh, I think that's a great thing. That's that's really interesting. I mean, one of the things I noticed with the Anglophone community is up you know up until two thousand and eighteen when the CAQ won, the basically it was the Big Red Machine or the Parti Québécois, right? Those were the two options starting in nineteen seventy six, right? When the PQ won. Uh, I, I think that 2018 was the first time in 50 years that a party other than those two parties took power, which was sort of it made it a historic election in many respects. But in that context, the PQ was the sovereignist party. So that meant that, uh, you know, Anglophones kind of had this gun to their head. Um, the, the best analogy I, I can come up with is, is Afro-Americans, I think, with the Democratic Party. I think there's a similar thing happened where... Basically, if you're an Afro-American, it's, it's a fear thing. It's like if you vote for the Republicans, they're going to be, you know, redoing Jim Crow and whatever. Like, it's, you know, and I think Anglophones, not that Anglophones, I'm not comparing the two communities exactly, but just the fear factor. But just to return to this notion of doing, um, would you would you be acceptable to, would you, you know, find it amenable to have um, courses in Sejap in French if it were phased in over a certain amount of time? I think so. Yeah, I think that's that fair enough. Reasonable. I mean, but I think we need all, all kinds of other courses in school, too. I mean, our party's policy also says we should have more uh, physical education in schools. Mm. I mean, you know, for, for, yeah. for not just health reasons, it's, it's good for mental health, it's good <clears> for physical health. So we're going to give a tax deduction for people to, to go to gym, to do other sports activities, because you know what? If you're going to have a healthcare system, let's avoid people getting in even into the healthcare system. Mm. Let's get get them healthy beforehand. I've heard it, I've heard it referred to that we don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system, which is basically takes care of you when you're sick. Yeah, but so, the idea of maintaining good health is not really a part of the equation. But you're it sounds like you were saying that that should be changed through a po official policy. So right? I'm an endocrinologist, and uh, I was one of the people who helped write uh, some of our healthcare stuff. And um, prevention is, you know, I mean, diabetes is a major problem in many communities in Quebec, uh, many immigrant communities, among French Canadians, among our native population. Um, and the best way to avoid uh, type 2 diabetes is trying to keep, uh, keep a, healthy, a healthy weight and exercise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I, I think it's it's wonderful that we, we're going to give these kind of deductions and, and, and to actually, I, I don't know if you have kids in school, but my friends who have kids in school tell me that school, the school <coughs> has almost no uh, physical activity. Really? Um, it's, yeah. it's less, yeah. it's like an hour a week kind of thing. Wow. So, you know, I mean... If you look at the guidelines for children, you should probably be have, kids should be running around at least an hour a day in most mm. cases. Certainly, um, young children need, especially boys. I think need absolutely. need a well, lot of. Actually, that's yeah. a very important thing to say because boys do not learn until. Yeah. I mean, my my cousins used to say, "Get the yayas out," because <laughs> you got to get them running around and a yeah. little bit tired, or else they're all over the place. 
that, that's one of the reasons why we during the pandemic this this schooling by Zoom has been a disaster, an utter disaster. If I were a kid in those today, having to, my mother would have had to literally sit by my side, <laughs> sitting on me, so I wouldn't run away from the from the computer. Yeah. So just just naturally, as a boy, you were yeah. filled up with energy because yeah. boys have a lot of. It's, I guess it's testosterone that may be the. It's not necessarily it's, it's testosterone, that. but that's just the way it works. I mean, girls have a lot of energy too, but. Sure, boys seem sure. to have a little bit more and you, you know and that I, I they think want to we, break things and right? I think I think we <laughs> have want. to spend a little bit of extra time you know uh, trying to understand because our boys are in trouble yeah. Um, yeah. we are having we are having major trouble with, with uh, boys now they're much more likely to drop out of school yeah. they're much less likely to get into university these days um, and it's a problem because, you know, if you want equality of, of the sexes, you, you need to help both sides. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a very interesting point. You've touched on two things. One is um, just the, the Asperger's and all those, because I'm an educator in the mm -hmm. Sejap system. I'm a teacher of English in, in the French language system. And so we have this, what's called uh, adaptation scolaire, where students who have, you know, autism and dyslexia and other types of, and very often... Many students have this kind of ADHD type thing. We get the thing, you know, and all that work informed of it. And it's been increasing, you know. Now, I don't know what that means because it could be that it's always existed and we're diagnosing it more. It's very hard to understand why that's happening. It could be less exercise and it could be that there's, that's kind of what you're saying, right? But I, I do notice that um, I'm not sure, and I think one thing that seems to be happening is it's in some cases, I think some people just don't want to accept things about their own children. I think sometimes what happens is you put your kid in school and the kid's not doing so well. And it could, you know, it just could be the kid, maybe that's their natural ability to learn, but the parents go and say, what's wrong with that child? Oh, maybe he's ADHD. That, so that's, that's something another, I've noticed with some of the cases some, I've seen. Another thing know. in education that I think not everyone needs to go to university. That's and right. I don't, I don't yeah. think everyone, yeah. I mean, I think we've spent too much time. I mean, one of the great things I thought about the CTIP system in the beginning was it was supposed to have a vocational aspect to it. It still does. At it least at the one I does. There's pre-university and then there's technical degrees. There's but two it, tracks. A, lo a lot of people end up in the in the university, university stream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot more than probably should be um, because we don't respect aptitudes and we have major shortages of all yeah. kinds of yeah. vocational <laughs> things. Try and get a plumber, try and get a carpenter these days. I mean, most of the time we go to foreign countries to get people doing those kind of things. So, uh, you know... I think we're going to give more bursaries and, and, and loans, and we're, we're going to encourage um, the, the vocations as well. That's um, good. That's good to hear. So that's part of your your uh, your party's view is that university is a very good thing, but for a certain subset of the population, yeah. you, it's going to be yeah. effective I mean, we want them. we want people right. to reach their potential. I right. mean, well, we say Libre Sechenu is that we want, we want everyone to sort of, we think that people are best to decide their own fate, their own fate, their own health care, their own education, yeah. their own everything. Yeah. Individuals. Um, I yeah. think people, yeah. I think right. the yeah. average citizen is smart enough to do what's best for the average citizen. Yeah.
I, I find that so refreshing to hear. And I, by the way, I love your the slogan "Libre chez nous." We have it's the most really popular good. of the slogans. Really? And yeah. that's been yeah. by polling. I mean, yeah, it, it, like, it, how do you know? Yeah, I, I saw a poll saying. <laughs> really? That. Yeah. Okay. Did you see the cat slogan? Continue on. Continue on. Continue on. A failure. Continue yeah. on. Yeah. You know, every yeah. promise they made, they basically broke. They, they, they yeah. said healthcare would be better. It's not. They said that they would have less civil servants. They They've actually increased, increased by yeah. many thousand. Um, yeah. and many, many other. They said they would cut taxes. They haven't. I mean, you know, they said they would cut the deficit. We have the worst deficit situation in a long time. I mean, continue. So, some of that is partly because of COVID. I mean, not to excuse that's it. That's true. But, yeah, but you, know, you know, COVID just, expenditures are also very interesting. You know, the government spent hundreds of millions of dollars on, on advertising. advertising, more money than in the rest of the country. And who got that advertising? The people who are attacked. Attacking me and Eric and you know um, this this came up. I did I did a podcast with a journalist last night, Christian Gravener, that we talked about this, and he pointed this out exactly that. I mean, there's several different ways different governments. The federal government had an actual aid package to um, before the pandemic even began. There seems to be a a kind of a co-opting of the you know. The, the mainstream, the old, what are we, I don't know how to call that, but traditional media. Dying like, media. Yeah, <laughs> right. That, that's, um, and, and that's a real problem. And this, and I, and I did mention, I, I heard this statistic from a, from a colleague of mine, a teacher of philosophy, who was during one of these open houses. He told me this thing that you just mentioned about the, philo the uh, excuse me, the, um, the, the, the advertising budgets being higher. Is it, is it more than, any other province? Or, yeah. Or is it yeah. more than I, all the other provinces? I, 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 someone told me it was all, you know, the, all the, I, I know it's more than any other province, but I think it's more than all the other provinces combined. But I, you know, I don't, fact check I would have to but fact check Even that. if it's, if it's any other province, because Ontario's, Ontario's population is what? twice ours. Almost twice. It's like, a, you, know, you know, it's like 80, 90% more than Quebec. Exactly. Much, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, right. you know, the Quebec media is quite a bubble. Remember, you yeah. know, most of it's owned by one particular Quebec person. Quebec yeah. yeah, and Quebec Or has been pretty aggressive in attacking the yeah. the, the the PCQ, as you probably noticed. <laughs> um, well, yeah, this I I, I I confess I try not to pay too much attention <laughs> to mainstream media because I, I found just to explain why I woke up one morning you know, uh, in, in 2016 and was just shocked and terrified that Donald Trump had been elected president since that time. And then I sort of, what happened following that was I said, what happened? What am I missing? And I started to realize that there's all these things that are going on that I didn't realize were true because I was, I was folk. I think I was paying too much attention to the normal media sources. I was kind of, you know, so I was, I've gradually changed my media diet to a more, um, Maybe an ecumenical, <laughs> and it actually the problem is it, it makes it difficult to keep up with the day to day, right? Because so some of these things you're saying you're telling me for the first time about. I mean, I do know that um, Christian Gravener mentioned that your uh, Zoom has faced very hostile. Uh, oh, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, your party heads, so, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, well, let me tell you a little bit about the PCQ. So the PCQ uh, started several years ago, but um, the fundraising model in Quebec has changed so that it's very difficult to actually get a party going. The annual amount of money that an individual Quebecer can give 
to a political party is a hundred dollars. Uh, there is no province which that happens. I mean, the, really? the limit in Ontario is like three thousand. The limit okay. in, in, in in Alberta is like two thousand. Um, so it basically it cements the old line party's ability because the the way that the funding is done is you get a per vote subsidy mm -hmm. uh, over the four years, uh, and you don't even give the money. And in an election year, you can give two hundred dollars. Um, in, and you don't even give it to the party. You give it to a, the elections Quebec, and then they uh, give it back after saying if it's if it's okay. Wow. So, but that's that's so, terrible. That's weird. So, anyway, so, so how, yeah. how did I meet? How did we start off on this? Uh, Just on this what journey? the PCQ you were talking. So yeah. the PCQ. So um, my friend Eric and I and a couple other people, John Marcotte and Ian Senechals uh, and a few other people, started something called the Réseau Liberté Quebec. 10, 12 years ago, um, maybe even 14 at this point, where we wanted to try and, you know, we thought that there, there was uh, there was parties of the left, the further left and the further left. Yeah. And we thought, yeah. you know, we wanted to get um, the ADQ elected at the time because they were, we thought they were the most sensible center-right alternative at the time. Action Democratique du Québec, Mario Dumont, who's yeah. now a journalist, he's become a journalist, but yeah. Yeah, Good. and um, so we, we set up conferences we had media interviews and so eric and i became good friends from from that time can, can i just ask something quickly were you involved when they did extremely well in that one election because they no, they, they, they came in second at one point yeah it was that a huge surprise that was a that predates me a little bit okay but, but, but it was around that time it was around right? that yeah, time okay. it was Politics, actually yeah. after mario Dumanu. at the at the time it was uh gerald deltel who was okay. The, okay. the leader yeah. Um, and so we had conferences, we had various people coming to speak and, uh, it was actually quite surprising. And then the media here was shocked that we could have these kind of conferences and that people come. I mean, the first conference we went to, one of the unions put, uh, sheep manure all over the, the front oh of the hotel. God. Um, and, wow. and people were very hostile to us at the time. Can, can I just quickly ask about that? So the unions, what are they accusing you of? Of sort of right wing Nazi? Like, is that the sort of the usual thing? Just because yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we, uh, you know, you don't look like a Nazi to me. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of funny. <laughs> Just looking at you, right? It's kind of funny that both, both Eric and I are gay, and right. like, you know, uh, I, I, you're from India. Right? I'm yeah. from India. I'm an immigrant, and I keep hearing, you know, I mean, one of my colleagues in the PCQ yeah. is a is a an, a a black guy, and they've written racist all over his his uh, his uh, posters. I mean, you know. Isn't that starting to get kind of like tired to the point? I mean, how, how long can they can they do that accusation before it starts to be just absurd? I, I don't know. Well, anyway, I mean, a, it seems to work a, among some of the woke, but yeah, you know. All right. So, so you were saying that so you, you got together with this réseau uh, La Liberté Quebec, and then you know one of my other friends, uh, Adrien. So at that point, uh, we did this for a few years, and then what happened was the. Uh, the CAC was formed. The ADQ was merged into the CAC, and we lost interest because <laughs> right. we didn't think right. the ADQ was the best solution. And you know, within the CAC, right. um, in fact, I think Eric voted for them at one point, but then he came to the same conclusion. Um, my friend Adrian Pouliot uh, sort of took over this PCQ party. Um, he's still uh, the, he was the former leader. He's still a good friend and. Uh, 
he tried to run people in the last election and, you know, they made a, a, a great effort. Uh, they didn't get a lot of seats. They didn't get a lot of, uh, well, a lot no of support. Seats. No yeah, support. And, uh, but, but they got some portion of the vote. Some portion of the yeah. vote. Not, not a huge portion of the vote. Um, Do you know offhand is one or two percent? Yeah, something, something like that. Right. Less than two percent for sure. Well, it's a nascent party. I mean, just to be clear, the Conservative Party of Quebec was disbanded sometime oh, yes. 100 years yes. ago and yes. it was this merged is, this into the National this, yeah. this is about 10, 12 years right. old now. And it was reformed in some That's senses about 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. That's correct. Okay. So a couple of years ago, Eric calls me up and says, Roy, what do you think if I ran for leadership of the PCQ? Because Adrian wanted to step down. Um, and I said, well, I think that's a great idea, Eric. And he says, well, will you run? I said, no. Um, and why, I said, why did you not want to do it at that point? Was, I, live, doing it I live a comfortable life. And, you know, I've, I've done politics behind the scenes my entire life. I, you know, I had no wish to okay. do this in public. I, you know, it's, it's a lot of work that uh, I didn't, you know, I'm 61 years old, mm. um, you know. And, but Eric kept insisting, and he said he wouldn't run for okay. leadership unless I did it. So, so he guilted I, you and yeah, bullied you into it, right? Into it. I mean, he actually tells this story when he when he announced my candidacy. And, you know, uh, I, I think Eric is a wonderful human being. I think he's a, a great, great guy. And... Uh, he, the people of Quebec would be lucky to have them have him as their premier. Um, he, uh, according to, I didn't watch the debate, the debate, but a good friend of mine who was my former student, we stay in touch. He, he looks like he may be voting for your party, but he, he mentioned how um, he watched the debate. He said that Eric gave this amazing zinger to Gabriel Nadeau Dubois, something that he. Nadeau Dubois said, you know, maybe you should go run in Texas, you know, with all your right wing. He said, well, maybe you should go run in Cuba. <laughs> he, actually said, he actually said, right. you know, I'm not going to go as low as to say maybe you should go and run, run in Cuba. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but maybe you should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, well, the, the Quebec, so, so that, just, just, to, to, just to give a bit of background about the political structure of where we are, it seems to me like the old PQ before our time now was a kind of big tent party. It included the Montreal leftists who are now Quebec Solidaire. It included some yeah. people who may vote, may vote conservative. Yes. It also included people who are the base for the CAQ in the smaller towns of, you know, in the regions of Quebec. And that has been fractured into a few different parties. I think that's parties, because right? the PQ went much further. It used to be a coalition of right and left. Um, I mean, everything was a coalition of right and left because we didn't talk about right and left politics in, in Quebec. And that was one of the things the RLP wanted to talk about because we had this, this continual battle about sovereignty, right. a continual battle that was getting us nowhere, that was splitting up families, that was, yeah. that was making Quebec poorer um, and was not getting anywhere. And, you know, the people of Quebec voted twice against this concept. <laughs> How many and, times do we have to say no? Exactly right, for 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 people. Exactly, who, you know, and yeah. Eric says that you know it's time to talk mm -hmm. about other things. It's time to talk about the economy. It's time to talk about individual rights. It's time to talk about uh, making Quebec more prosperous and and more. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, when you say independent, you know, we, we it would be good that we're more independent in terms of our own energy. 
it would yeah. be good that we're more independent in terms of many other things too. Can you talk a little bit about the how would we be more independent in terms of energy? Hydro Quebec is a kind of a this amazing so, generation of energy. I mean, what would well, we would we would that? we would strengthen Hydro Quebec in, in in some ways, but you know uh, what? How, how so? Can I? Uh, we well we would we would encourage more hydroelectric uh, power. Okay. Um, but you know Quebec actually is one of the largest sources of natural gas in the world uh, yeah. we, we have huge uh huge huge supplies of it and we in have the gulf of st lawrence yeah which are not and the anti-cosby yeah. island yeah. and there were in fact lego promised to actually develop some of this another yeah. one of their promises um so you, natural, you, you would open the door to that development to well we would do it responsibly right, but we right. yes we would okay. we would do that and let and let's that's clean know. energy by the way so let's yeah. look at that yeah. in terms of carbon so everyone's keep telling me you know we're, we're carbon deniers whatever whatever but you know what if we could get the chinese and other people to use liquid natural gas yeah. carbon emissions yeah. would drop dramatically absolutely so yeah. what have we done by not developing our natural gas the Chancellor of Germany was just here, the Chancellor of really? Germany, because the Germans have very little energy right now, and the, the, the winter is coming, and because of Putin, they've lost a lot of their access to liquid natural gas, and they were begging us, you know, Canada really? is an energy superpower, you need to help us with energy, <laughs> and Mr. Trudeau said that's not, that's not, there's no uh, economic reason to do that. Um, but uh, hold on know, a second. I, I just want to stick on that. That that is a, a shocking thing that Trudeau would do because, from what I've heard, if Trudeau really I, believes, I don't wanna, yeah, I don't no, really, I, know, I know, I don't really I, want to talk about. I know, I know, Trudeau, I, I get. But, but if I could just we say got something, the Trudeau quick. equivalent in, in in Quebec City because right. Mr. Legault, who said that we were going to develop uh, the, well, has not that, done that, has not done that, and so the the Germans are starting to burn coal. Yeah. The Germans are starting to burn wood. I was so just going to say that. If you're, yeah. worried, if you're worried about carbon emissions... Wood is the worst. Wood, wood, wood is and by carbon, far... Wood and, 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 yeah. and, and coal, coal are probably the worst. So what, shouldn't you use the better alternative? Yeah. I mean, you know, I also believe in nuclear power. Uh, the, too, yeah. Canada has yeah. has some very good new nuclear uh, generators that uh, produce much less waste and are, are much, much safer. And Would the PCQ um, invest or promote uh, a nuclear plant for Quebec? Uh, that's, that's not, not part necessary. of the platform yeah. yet, but I mean, yeah. I would be pushing for that. Because um, it's not then, clear it's necessary given um, the more you ship electricity, the more it degrades. And, and so if, if we we already have more than enough energy from the dams we have now, I mean, the, the natural gas could be exported in absolutely. liquid form. So that's the absolutely. reason to develop that. But, but to build a nuclear plant, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, it could be done. As well, it's, we had one. We've closed yeah. Down, we had, John, we had John, we had Jantilly too, yeah. but we we closed that down. So yeah. you know, I mean, Ontario has a, a a power plant in Pickering which is about to close down, and that's going to cause a lot of energy problems mm. for for Ontario. I mean, yeah. maybe selling power to them because yeah. they're, they're going to have problems in the near future because. Well, of that. I mean, what, one place since we expanded outside of Quebec where they could build a nuclear plant, I've I've heard that in Alberta where the tar sands are. 
they literally very often use gasoline to to fire the engines to get the sand out of the oil. I've heard this, you know, which means that's why Alberta has these enormous emissions. They could build a nuclear plant in Fort McMurray that would do that same thing of steaming out the, and it would cause no emissions, right? So there, there's a place where, but that's for the people in that's Edmonton, for right? Calgary, yeah, <laughs> to, to deal with. Um, okay, so that's really interesting. So that's the energy policy. Um, let's talk a little bit about the health policy, especially as a pertains to um uh, you know the, so, the the just the 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 vaccines and and the um not the vaccines but the 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 so COVID-19 we've, we've and all seen, that we've seen that yeah. that the last two years have shown that our healthcare system is not necessarily fit for purpose um you know but on, on the other hand, you know, we have to be much more careful with the public health measures because we have to look at risk and benefit when it comes to these measures. We have never done this lockdown thing before. Yeah. We've never done it before. It's, it's a new, if you look, I've read uh, Teresa Tam's federal plan for uh, a pandemic. It was never in there. Really? Um, this is all fairly new. Can, and can I just ask you about that quickly? So Teresa Tam, the health the health director of the federal government, wrote up had a plan from a, from before the pandemic. That's like, correct. What would we would do? And she there was nothing in that plan about no. lockdown and closing things down. No, that, wow. this this so seems to have come up, from communist yeah. China. Um, okay, so that came up as a, almost like a fashion in 2020. That yeah, they, some you know, some people decided to do it, and everyone it became a, a, a plan across. And I think it maybe it's it had did pretty, come from China because they were the first ones. Pretty yeah. disastrous consequences. If you look at some of the reviews of some of my my friends who've written reviews on these things, the lockdowns have been quite a problem. And can we outline some of those effects? So let's that, look yeah, at look, look at children. So I think yeah. this has been a war on children and on the poor. Yeah. Um, you know, people like me have done just fine. I mean, you know, um, I've probably earned more money than before. Many of my colleagues have, certainly the public health people have earned more money than before. Um, you know, uh, there's been a massive shift of wealth from the wealthiest to the wealthiest families from poorer families. Uh, there are many children who will never recover their schooling. Um, it's in, especially in places like India, you know, where, you know, not everyone has a laptop and, right. and high right. speed yeah. internet. Yeah. Um, mental health among children has become a major problem. If you speak to the, your friend's children, lots and lots of, of depression, uh, I, I just, I, I just to speak on that quickly. I wrote an entire article about this because I'm an educator. We were pushed into using Zoom, and I figured out a way to do it, and it worked, and everything. But after we went back, I started to notice this, the, the the health issues, the mental health issues, were actually sort of evident among the students who were coming back. There was yeah. more students who were anxious. Students would come and tell me, "Sir, I'm, I'm having a panic attack. I can't stay." You know, I'd ne- I, you know, I always have some students who have anxiety issues, but this was much more extreme. And and then you wonder why is it that these things, if we talk about these things, because I try and talk about these things with family members who. And it, I, it's it's like I face this kind of pushback from the other side as though somehow it's against, like as though it's 
it's almost like if you point out these things as negative consequences, then you're somehow in favor of the the virus spreading around or something. I don't know why. Well, that is, I mean, that's that was true among the medical profession as well. I mean, those who who wanted to have a, a vigorous debate on some of the measures were told we were anti this and anti that. And have you suffered those accusations? Uh, to some extent, There's, yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've had. I've had my vaccinations. I, you know. Yeah, me too. I'm, um, I'm not anti-vax at all. Um, Although I do, if someone doesn't want to get vaccinated, I believe that and is that that's person's the, right. That is absolutely yeah. the position yeah. of our party. Really? Okay. Um, that's, that's um, so, so you're not in favor so of mandates. Your party would not. If you're going to do right. those kind of health measures, we want to change the public health law so that you would need an overwhelming majority in the house to to do that. So you would need eighty or ninety percent of of people to vote for those kind of measures. Um, and you would have to have a vigorous debate about that by both sides. You Can can't just, just have one side talk. Sorry yet. to interrupt. I just want to understand this oh, overwhelming um, majority. So that would mean that you would need, say, 80% in the National Assembly. That's correct. Of the seats. Yeah. Of the seats. Okay, yeah. not of the population. No, right. no, okay. no, no. Yeah, because no, that no, would be much no, harder to no. obtain. No. Okay, that's interesting. So you would have an 80% majority minimum of seats. If you uh, want, if you wanted to do these kind of drastic kind of things, you would need to have overwhelming support in, in, in the House to do that. Mm -hmm. So that, that would be yeah. one of... We, we want to change the public health law um, to, to that. Okay. We want to make sure that... The, the risks and benefits are always analyzed in these kind of things. We want to make sure, you know, we had some of the strictest laws in, in North America, and yeah. we've had some of the worst numbers in terms of deaths. Yeah, um, you know, and, and one of the reasons, locking down people in, in old age homes was one of the most cruel things we could mm -hmm. possibly do. Because, you know, families go to these homes and they wash their parents, yeah. and they feed their parents, and they give, keep their parents company. I can tell Very you story, story after story yeah. after story of families telling me that their parents were going, you know, nuts in these homes. Wow, so I mean, one of, one of my uncles, he, you know, my my cousin lives, you know, ten minutes from him. Was not allowed to see my uncle. For, for months on end. And it was winter. And it was so you, winter. you couldn't have someone coming to a window. Like, I've heard it in some parts, in like in Italy, they had people outside. That was something sometimes it would sort of, so, at least they could see them. But, it, you know, when it's minus 10, you want to stand outside and the window open. You know, so I think some work, of the right? deaths are are, are, are are due to neglect. So we, we must never let that happen before. And today we released a, a new, policy, new policies on, on helping uh, the elderly. Um, encouraging community support and community involvement, keeping them in their houses, keeping them more at home, trying to, trying to give them a choice to stay at home. Most older people want to stay at home, making it easier to build multi-generational housing so that you can, you know, if your parents... So this is this is sort of almost like a socially conservative in a good way, like encouraging the older value of families yeah. helping each other out and trying to encourage that through some sort of policy is what you're correct doing, right so, correct yeah. I mean I think more people uh, would like to stay at home and I think we should I think that's actually a much better you know uh, they they built some of these uh, CHLDs that were uh, the the costs were astronomical there was a million dollars a bed.
Um, so maybe we should use that money instead and help you renovate. Well, and help you renovate your house so you can stay at home. Help you get some people to help you to stay at home. I mean, so there'd be some structure whereby if a family said, you know, my mother's going to move in and we're going to renovate the basement, or we'll something. give you some you tax credit for yeah, that. We're right, going to encourage community yeah. organizations to help you with that. Interesting. Um, just to stick on the healthcare system for a little bit, because that's what you're really talking about. We have a single payer system. This is almost a radioactive issue in Canada. Canadians seem to hold on to the healthcare system like a so talisman. Every, yeah. You know. Well, I call it a. They think it's a religious organization. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, so we did a, a, a an analysis. This analysis has been by others before. We are like twentieth or twenty fifth in the OECD in terms of health health outcomes. Um, so that we means have very all the low European low. countries are yeah. doing better than yeah. us, pretty much. I mean, right? pretty much only the Americans yeah. right. are doing better. Right, right. So we're at the bottom of the heap in terms of yes. the top of the class and, kind of thing. Right? And we have lower numbers in terms of doctors per thousand, lower numbers of ICU beds per, per thousand patients, yeah. lower number of beds per thousand patients. And remember the PQ closed 12 hospitals, you know, years ago, uh, you know. Can, can I just quickly ask something about that structure? So I specifically mentioned single-payer. Well, that's what I'm coming to. Okay, but I'll, I'll go ahead. Yeah, so I'll ask after. The, the most successful systems all have, are mixed systems. Okay, good. That's so we looked at the systems, and we, we like the Swedish, the the German, and the, and, and the Dutch system. The Swedish system has a system where they have a private part of their system and a public part of their system. And the government, if after 90 days doesn't su supply you in the public system what you need, they must pay in the private system for you yeah. to get that done. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we should, we so also that, that's also an incentive financially for the, for the government to be very careful, right? Exactly. The, yeah, and right. the, other, the, uh, the other issue is the Shaoli decision, which we seem to have ignored, where... Uh, the, the, the Supreme Court basically made it possible for people to buy insurance to, to help get them care when there's no use saying you have universal health care. If, if you it's can't, not universal. You can't, yeah. Well, you can't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's not universal. You know, I, I <laughs> right. live in NDG. Yeah. It's one of the worst parts of Montreal to get a family doctor. It can take yeah. three, four years. You know, Mr. Legault said everyone would have a family doctor. And he did that by... So our, our plan says that we're going to increase the number of doctors being trained. And we have lots of immigrants who are, who are physicians who we don't, rec we don't recognize yeah. their credentials. We have programs to help recognize their credentials and get tr extra training here. They're very small programs. We need to rapidly ramp that up, not just for uh, doctors, but for nurses, physiotherapists, in, uh, inhalation therapists. There are many, many people. We're, we're wasting a resource that, that we have here. We have a lot of immigrants who, have, who are well-trained and, you know, we should we should get them involved in, in in you know not driving taxis and Ubers. You know they can they can do uh, things. That's it, it. Strikes me that when you're getting there you, for doctors, you're you're bumping into the College des Médecins du Québec, which is a well, they're not part a of this program. organization. Are they're they, they're part of this program. Uh, I, I yeah, I mean we can we can incentivize. Yes, of course. One way to say it. Of course. Again, as I yeah. say, I'm no, not I, a big yeah. fan of coercion. No, no, so. I get it. But, but I mean, would you, how, because from what I understand about them, they're, they're very obstinate about maintaining that as a means of putting they, pressure on the government. I don't think Is that's that actually true. true. No. Um, I mean, I think 
that uh, that they're keeping the, the, the keeping the others out to get to be able to say we don't have enough doctors to put pressure. I've heard that. I don't know if that's. I don't true know if that's that. true. No, um, I think that part of it is that you know the training levels are different in, in different, different places, countries. and they want to make sure that we have a high standard. Which is fair. Um, which is fair. Definitely. I mean, I want to have a high yeah. standard. Yeah. But, you know, I think we can expand the programs that we have already to to, to bring more people into the system. Um, we could recognize, I don't know if they I mean, we have, a, we have a system in France where the French recognize our degrees right, right so now. So why couldn't we recognize theirs? You know, right. so... Also, in the UK, they, they, the British National Health Service went to India and they checked certain universities yeah. to make sure they were up to speed and said, yeah. okay, if you went to, you know, Bangalore or whatever, then you could be accredited immediately in the UK. And apparently that really helped. They were, you know, doctors. I'm sure, I'm, those, you know. those kind of programs would be, would, would be things that we would encourage. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, why bring... Immigrants, the richness of immigrants here without they can't using bring their them. skills. Yeah, exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. It's actually kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, I have lots of I have lots of patients who are, are physicians who are doing things that are not in their field because they can't get they can't yeah. get uh, access to, to the yeah. programs to to get into these things. One particular problem you mentioned a minute ago, I wanted to ask you about was uh, you mentioned this problem of providing family doctors. From what I've heard and what I've seen with the system is that. You know, you'll go into one clinic and say, okay, I'm looking for a doctor. Oh, no, we're filled, filled right up. You can go into one right next door and they'll say, and they'll need patients. They, and, and from what I've heard, the system we have prohibits any form of advertising. Because of that. Oh, yeah, well, that's, right? that's so, not the only right? problem. And, the and, problem and, is really numbers. Um, no, but how, how would you change it so that if a clinic wanted to get the word out that it needs patients? Because that would be one way. Because people often think they can't get a family doctor. When, well, that's where I go, Sacré-Cœur, they need patients. And all they well, have to do is get a, get a reference. You know, so I'm wondering... Is there some way could could would you allow? So right now, what or? you what you do is that uh, I mean that's not part of our policy, but we would allow a private system. We right. would, we well, would there, allow, already, there already is a private system, but we would allow yeah. a private system for physicians as well, um, and and we would we would in, in, encourage it, and we would you know and can, can so you explain? Aren't they allowed now in the private system? I there's a very small private system. Uh, there's something in the Canada Health Act that sort of prevents people from the, the government. There were many private clinics, but the CAC closed many of those down. Because I went into a clinic once in TMR to do get some Rockland. tests in Rockland, right? And I had this paper from a doctor saying I needed tests, and they told me they took one look at me and they were like, "Sir, you know, you can go to the CLSC or something, <laughs> right?" You know. Anyway, and uh, but I learned, and then they told me it would cost like seven hundred dollars. This was like fifteen years. Yeah. Ago, so, but I'm wondering, like, are there not doctors in those clinics? In there TMR? are some. Like, there are some. There are some sure. doctors outside of, of Medicare, but it's a very small system, and the and the CAC basically cut shut a lot of that down because the federal government had threatened to withdraw from some funding based on that. Um, we think we should uh, have a pilot project where we're doing more private and eventually we would like to have a private hospital. I mean, there are mm -hmm. private hospitals in France, in Germany, in the United Kingdom, in every country you could think of except... In Europe, yeah. Ex except here. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Is you know, that, does that raise the specter that doctors might migrate over to the higher pay? So, I'm, just, I'm trying so to play it, devil's advocate So, here. of course, I, wonder, I mean, you, you, can, right. you could say that, but you can also say that doctors will have to work a certain number of hours in one system and, and certain you could number. mandate. Certain yeah, and, that, and that's done in the UK and in right. other places as well. Okay. Um, so, you, know, right. you know what happens now? Our rich leave. 
They go right. to the U.S. They go somewhere right. else to get their health care. I mean, right. you know. And doctors who might otherwise stay also go Oh, yeah. Go as one, well, one of so. my colleagues who was a very good uh, gastric bypass surgeon uh, went to New York uh, where yeah. he earned you well, know, many yeah. times <laughs> what he was earning here. Um, so, you know. Uh, my, my cousin is a doctor in Ottawa. My brother lives in the U.S. And he, my brother predicted for many years that my cousin would go and practice in the U.S. for that reason. And he did some of his residency there, but he never left for more of he's sort of patriotic and wants to stay in his own country. But, uh, yeah, okay. Anything else about the healthcare proposals? Because I know you're kind oh, yeah. of an so, expert uh, there. But, so a couple uh, of things. So yeah. we would like to, to change the funding model. So the funding model now is we give the hospital a, a, a block of money. We give the CUs a block of money and say, this is what you got. So now we would like to have the, the money follow the patients. So instead of the hospital thinking that, a patient is a drain that they're going to cost me money. You're bringing money with you when you come. Uh, so many funding, many funding models. Apologies, are- I just want to understand what this means. So right now, for example, St. Mary's just gets a block of money based yeah. on what? What do they base? Based it? on the last year's salary, what they ask for. Okay, so you, so each hospital is just scrambling to ask for as much money as possible every yes. year, and they're trying to get it. And it's not based on on the number of patients that are being serviced? To is some that... extent, but this model, if you if you, if you you give money with that comes with the diagnosis to, with, to, with the patient uh, to the hospital. Per patient. It's per patient. Per patient. You, would, right. you would get the hospital sort of competing more because they'll get more mm-hmm. money to, to get more patients. And then and we, we want the hospitals to compete with each other, A, to reduce, uh, re- reduce waiting times, mm-hmm. and B, to get, you know, to make healthcare Right now, better. you just go to the nearest one, and if it's a 20-hour wait, then... It's a 20-hour wait. I, I, I just should say, that's the model of how... I'm, I'm in the Sejap system, and this, we compete... At Rosemont, we have to compete with with Maisonneuve and Hunsik and Bomobi for students because it's a per, it's per student. You know, the more students we get, the more funding. So you we understand get. the funding. I model. T- totally understand. <laughs> it's a great idea because that that works actually quite well. People think that education in, in is, it would is, work more in, in some of the smaller hospitals. I think the larger hospitals you would still you would still have to do some of this block funding for for very specialized mm-hmm. hospitals, but. I think in a lot of the other hospitals, uh, you know, as you say, it works with the SAGIP. Why, why wouldn't it work in healthcare? I mean, and, the, and there are many funding models around the world that, that do that. The other thing for, for healthcare that we've, we think is very interesting is how do we deal with older people in terms of nursing homes and stuff? You can buy autonomy insurance in mm-hmm. countries like China, uh, Japan and North uh, South Korea. Uh, so that um, when you get to the, you, know, you can buy that when you're younger, so that when you get older, you can either get a better uh, uh, nursing home, uh, more help at home, um, more people to help you at home. And that so it's has, like an investment for when you get old. Exactly. Less, and it right? will cause a secondary market of more wow. more beds and things to, in, in order to have more access. In, in in several years, in the next 10 or 20 years, one in four Quebecers are going to be over 65. Yeah. So the other thing is, sixty-five is not old anymore. Yeah, I mean, true. most most sixty-five people, is the new I'm, 60, I'm sixty-four. 60, I'm sixty-one. Yeah. I I don't particularly feel all that old. I think and, that's the new sixty. 
Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be, so I'm, I'm, I'm I, old I think too, we're going to we're going to encourage yeah. people. You know, if they want to, they can work continue longer. Continue working. Continue yeah. working. Um, you know, and right now we we have great disincentives not to work, and we have a manpower shortage in Quebec, and you know that would help with that. So. So um, allowing people to continue working, you know, incentivizing and, older people, and, and you do that by not yeah. penalizing their pensions by. Right. When, uh, to higher levels, like I think we said, twenty five thousand dollars you can earn without without losing pension. So you would raise that. Uh, yeah, you would raise you, it. Yeah, up up to twenty five because it's up lower than that now. Right. Okay. Those are those are really interesting ideas. I mean, it seems like the aging population is one of the major issues that we face that that all Western countries are facing in terms of health. But care, the PCQ right? the PCU values are respect for everybody and respect for the elderly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that in that sense, you're back to the traditionalist, right? The idea yeah. that older people should be respected just because they're old. I mean, in well, the there that, are parents and our friends, and right. our, you know. Well, I mean, the assumption, and one day they'll be us. That's right. Yeah. Well, hopefully, if we're lucky. Yes. If we're lucky. Well, the other thing that's interesting about that is there's an assumption. I, I encountered this with my students, and sometimes I tell them, I, I tell them, I may not be more intelligent than you. But I am. I do have more experience than you, and that might make a difference. And but, you know, and that's why you're supposed to listen more to me than to you. Now that doesn't when, mean when, I should never listen is, to you, right? <laughs> so, you know. You know, for, for years, you know, I, I guess we're all arrogant. When I was younger, I thought, oh, you know, <laughs> these my, stupid my, old people. They don't you know, know my parents. Yeah. You know, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. And then <laughs> yeah. the older I get, the more I say, oh, I should have listened to my parents yeah. more. They, yes. And I, you yeah. know, my parents have passed away, so I miss them dearly. But you know, well, it's an axiom that experience creates in your mind, in sort of the right and left brain notion, where you you just look at something and your brain is calculating things that you can't articulate using your uh, your your. Is it your right brain, which is language? I forget which is which, but uh, um, but experience it's, it's, it's counts. Ex- experience is something that can be that that can make you be able to see something and make a, a relatively better, quick judgment on it than a younger person would be able just from very quickly, right, without being able to articulate. So we should listen to this. Is the, the yeah, idea, your right? parents actually, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, and like I, I, the more I speak to people, the more they say, yeah, my parents told me all kinds of stuff, and I should have done it then. <laughs> Yeah. Um, now, just to be clear, it, I don't think it means that you should never question people no. who are older than you. No, right? no. It, 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 no, no. In fact, but you maybe, should respect their. Right. The other thing yeah. I have a problem with in in Quebec and North America and, and Western world nowadays, you can't have a nuanced conversation right, right. about anything. Well, yet. that's what we're doing right now. But <laughs> right. I'm sure someone will say I'm a Nazi because of this. But yeah. you know. But um, yeah. Well, we can. I I, I really have confidence that. These types of conversations, I, I believe in this kind of butterfly model of change, where just little things can have effects. That you know, um, just a, a thing that I like to recount sometimes is, uh, you know, I sit before my students in an interview. I've done this for a long time, and I ask them just nationality, and almost to a person, if if they have parents who were born outside the country, they say the nationality of their parents, which I find sort of strange because you know. So I've done this you for a long time. You can ask that to me, but I have lived in Canada far, far longer than I was ever. I was only in India for two years. I'm and proud of my heritage, but I am, If I asked I'm you your Canadian, nationality, would I'm you say Canadian. Indian or Canadian? I'm Canadian. Canadian. I'm yeah. Canadian, okay. and I'm a, I'm a Quebecer 
I yeah. mean, you know, I'm as Quebecois as anyone because I've been here. I've <laughs> Since been you here, were two years old. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I've been here 59 years now. So, you know, I paid the taxes. I've, uh, yeah, you know, you're, 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 I got a bilingual certificate when I was from from West Hill High School. I'm pretty integrated into the society here. And uh, yeah, yeah. so I think Montreal is one of the most wonderful places in the world. It's a, I love it. It's a great place. I mean, and we're only trying to do things to make it better. So, you know. Well, one of the things I, I'm trying to do, because I, this came up with the Charter of Values some years ago, I was talking about these issues with my students. And, and so I thought, and once I realized this thing, how it was basically, you know, one student said, well, my, my cousins in, in New York and Paris, if you ask them their nationality, they just say French or American. So I started thinking to myself, what if I have, if, if I have this little questionnaire and I sit across from the table from them and I, and I tell them, okay, you know, where were you? You were born in Haiti, or they said, "Oh, no, I was born here." And I tell them, "Well, you know what? You're one of us." And I just look them in the eyes, and I do. If I do that a few hundred, or maybe a few thousand times in my career, maybe that's going to have an effect. And so, just to return, this conversation is maybe changing, it like the little butterfly. So having that's why in China uh, as well. Maybe the, that's why right. I think Bill One Hundred One has actually done some good things in Quebec because you know I think it's sort of integrating people more and people feel more integrated and on both sides. So I, I think that Bill One Hundred One, you know, and I wasn't a big fan of it at the beginning, um, ha has actually done some pretty useful stuff. The Sejap I work at um, was small in, up and up until Bill One Hundred One, and it took some years for it to change was, you know, sort of 99% French-Canadian uh, ethnicity. Now it's about 50-50. We, we, uh, we had a teacher who retired some years ago, Alain Lapin, and he, he had gone there, and he used to tell this joke. Because if you go and walk up through the halls right now, it's kind of like, you know, a quarter are black, and a quarter are, you know, all kinds of ethnicities and everything. It's all, it's very multi-ethnic. But he said, when I was a student here, you know, there was a Haitian student, you know, <laughs> right, you know, and, and well, when, I arrived, know, when I arrived in NG, I was the only brown person. Really? Around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, we were, well, we were walking down the street and my parents were with me and my, a little kid came up and it was a completely innocent question. He says, does that wash off? Yeah, and my wow. father said no, and we weren't offended. <laughs> right. we were, he wasn't yeah. offended. Well, he just, just explained to this little kid. Yeah, he'd like, never seen just, anyone like us before. Yeah. So yeah. I think people should make a lot of effort to be less offended than they are I now. Totally it's agree. like it's yeah. enough. Yeah. Okay. So that's a very, uh, very feel good uh, point. I, I want to move back to as we we. Uh, go move towards closing to a couple of more controversial things because okay. I, I know that um, um, you're you uh, just about abortion. I've heard that you are in favor of uh, pro life, right? Is yeah, I, I I'm I'm pro life, but that's I'm a not trying to corner you. I'm just yeah, it's I a, just want to it, talk it's about it's a personal it. opinion, and as I said, I don't want legislation on the issue. It's a personal opinion, and I think I'm allowed to have my own personal opinion. I mean, you are. I, I was denounced in by view, yeah. I was denounced by the premier saying I shouldn't be able to run really? based on that. Um, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad, and Dominique. Uh, they said you uh, shouldn't be allowed no, to run. No, right? no. In spite of the fact that I don't, you know, I've referred I've referred women for, to have abortions. Mm, I mean, okay. you know, I mean, and as part of my work, um, so I, you, I, I just. Your I, personal view is that it, it, that a woman, if you know, 
should bring the child to term if possible kind of thing. Yes. Every life is valuable, something like that. Yes, but, I but believe you would, that. You would not want that, any laws that would... that would. No. Right, okay. No. I so mean, you, and I think women should make the choice. I mean, you so know... So you're pro-choice in some respects. I'm uh, pro-choice right. in everything in some <laughs> yeah, respects. Right, right, so, right. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to force people. I have friends who've had abortions. I've supported them through that. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not something that I want to change the... But, you know, if you ask me my opinion about abortion, I'm not a big, you know, I'm pro-life. So uh, the the way you're framing it, it's very interesting because, you know, I grew up, my parents were uh, baby boomer hippie types. And so my mom was very, you know, uh, very left leaning and so on. So when I was growing up and well into my probably my 30s, I just assumed that if you were, you know, if you were pro-life, you must be just some sort of hateful right wing bigot. That was just sort of you know. now. Now, what's really interesting to me is if you look at all the the there's other... a much more nuanced opinion about uh, this, right? That's what, I, that's and what again, I'm trying to get to. Yeah, you cannot have a nuanced discussion about <laughs> that's anything. what we're doing right now. So, but I just I just wanted to say that like abortion is somewhat of a unique issue because if you look at like civil rights or indigenous rights or gay rights, all these other things. The right has generally moved into the center on pretty much all of them. Just gay marriage is the best one. You know, like up until not that long ago, a lot of conservative you know, people men. would have been against it. Now nobody cares about it. You're, you're in the conservative party and you're gay and nobody seems to care. I used to, right? you know, yeah. I mean, people who say have been homophobic. I, I, in the federal party, I had parties called at the at the conservative uh, conventions called the Fabulous Blue Tent, where I basically encouraged gay people to come and join the conservative party with my friends uh, Fred Litwin and, and uh, Jamie Ellington. They were smash uh, part. I mean, we the first one had a thousand people. I mean, you know. Um, so so there, this is the, you, uh, none just, of us are hostages to a political party. Totally, anymore. totally. Yeah, none of us are <laughs> hostages to political parties. Well, I, I just, I just. I mean, if you look at the federal party now, one of my very good friends, Melissa Lansman, is now the deputy uh, leader of the of the conservative party of she's Canada. A She's a lesbian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, what what I wanted to say is, and I never think of L- Melissa as a lesbian. Yeah, well, I, I think I, of her as my friend who happens to be gay. Yeah, right. You yeah. know. Yeah. Well, that's how basically I think how we should think about people who are gay. It's kind of like it's just it's not your fundamental thing about you. No, right? in yes. fact, it's one. <laughs> right. I don't even think it's the most interesting aspect about me. But. <laughs> it's kind of a sub thing. But I just the th- the interesting thing to me about abortion that I've learned over the years is that. It's. I don't think it's going to resolve itself the way these other issues have because you've got two totally different axioms. One, you're using the, you're taking the view that the autonomous woman and it's her body, and that therefore the the fetus is inside of her. So that's it's her. The fetus is not a separate individual. She is an individual, and that's a part of her body. Kind of like if a woman wanted to have her pinky removed or something. I know it's a crass comparison to a person who might be pro life, but but the pro life view does not take it that way. It looks at it that that. The fetus is a separate person who's entitled to dignity and rights. But that rights. brings to an, a whole right. new question of when right. does that baby be, becomes an which is Which is an open question. Which is an open right. question. But, you know, at, at, we've decided in this way. That, I, it's, that's, that's when the, the baby takes a breath, yeah. basically, right? That's, um, that's where we have it at, at our But you know what? Structure. As I said, I, this is not yeah. a provincial issue. It's not an issue that I want to legislate on. I, you yeah. know, even at the federal level, the Conservative Party has said they're not going to legislate on 
on this issue. That's so good. I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. Mr. Harper is in power for ten years. Never, never did anything, never about, did anything yeah. about it. In fact, actually whipped the vote against uh, changing it. <laughs> so you know, I mean, people, this is yeah. a wedge issue the left uses to attack people. You See, know, you don't and think Eric that, is yeah. very pro, is, yeah. is very pro-choice. Yeah, and they have used me to attack Eric right. for weeks and weeks. Well, um, what I wanted to say about your view is that. So I've learned. I have the same view about vaccine mandates too. My I body, mean, my choice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So right. you know, I, I yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite consistent on these things. So, I, I, but I just, I just wanted to say that uh, that it's, it's very interesting that that your like your view is basically the same as mine. I am, I am still pro-choice. I still think that the woman should make the decision. I still believe that because I believe, you know, it's, I, I do believe it's her body. However. I do understand the idea that it's a life and that it should be taken very, very seriously. And in in my view now, I don't believe it should be a default option for every woman to... Like it, it shouldn't be sort of like, oh, I got pregnant, so I should just go get an abortion. Like, I don't think... I think it should be something that's very I think they need to have a good conversation right? with their physician and their, fam their family and their partner and, you know... Yeah. And make because life is... I mean, one thing I've come to realize as I go through life is that... Life is a very precious thing. Humans are really amazing things. Children are wonderful things. And if there's any, and so, you know, I, I've learned this also. My wife, who is, has the sort of the same view. I remember I told her once we were, somehow abortion came. Well, she, we never, we don't talk much about political things. And she, she just sort of was, I think it was a Catholic thing where she just was like, oh my God, but what would, you know, that baby would have been 18. She was thinking like if someone had an abortion and she just immediately, and I thought, and it was an interesting way to see it. Like, Every time an abortion happens, that, that 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 person that could have been the next person who cures cancer, who becomes you know, you just you don't know, right? It could also yeah, become like Adolf said, Hitler, right? You know, it's, yeah. anyway, so just like that I life said, is very precious. I agree, life is very so precious. It, it, I, I I think that uh, you know, it. it I, I think I, again, like I said, I think the. Yeah, the average Quebec woman is smart enough to make that decision yeah. on her own, yeah. and given her circumstances, in discussions with her family and her physician. And I think that Quebecers are smart enough to make most decisions on their own. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, all decisions on their own. I mean, isn't that isn't that the whole concept of why we have democracy? Freedom. Yeah, I, I think I heard somewhere. I'm not sure where that you 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 are on the record as saying you might try and convince people or something like that or try and persuade people is that true i mean For, like in terms I said, of abortion like well i think i think that all of these things should be i think all i meant by that is that you should we should be able to all societies should be open to have discussions on right, everything right. so the same uh, nuanced discussion would be if a woman is pregnant just have it like if someone wants to come and try and persuade that woman to give birth to the child, that would be something. That would, but there's no official policy there. No, there's no. Yeah, right. You would. Uh, no, no, okay. no, no. I mean, Good. you know. Yeah. And that's up to. Uh, like I said, I think it's up to the woman to make her own decision. But you know, people have uh, have are allowed to have their own opinions. Okay. I, I just want to end that this part of the discussion with just saying that it's you. You've actually made me realize that. You and I have basically the same view about abortion. Most it, people have the same. You know view what I mean. Like, even though I call myself pro-choice and you call yourself pro-life, it's you know what I mean. It's I don't know. If I, that I makes think sense. a lot of people, if you yeah. if you dig, dug a little deeper, would have similar more nuance, more, more yeah. nuanced views. And I yeah. I think that the people who make the loudest noises about these things. 
uh, generally don't represent the average person. That's true. But, that's true. Yeah. Okay. You know. So that's that's kind right. of a nice the party. Is very pro-choice. Right. Um, I am not representing pro-freedom. Right. We're pro-freedom, pro -freedom. Right. and I am yeah. pro-freedom too. Right. Yeah. And I'm, so and I'm so part of that freedom too. is a woman. A woman is an autonomous individual who chooses to do what she w will with her body, and that includes yeah. an unborn yeah. child. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so the last thing I wanted to cover was the notion of proportional representation, although it hasn't ever come up as an issue in the, in the Quebec election. I think it should, because... I'm not just, a big I, fan. Yeah, well, I, I think it should... <laughs> but be it's not, I, that's not party policy, so... Well, I just, I just wonder, it's like, if you look at the... Uh, your party, for example, is polling between 9 and 19%. It's quite possible that it could win zero seats. Now, I'm not saying that to be discouraging to, to, to you. Don't be surprised. The, the, the Parti Québécois in 1998 won a majority with fewer votes, right, just because of the way that the system is, I, you I know, like our, our CAQ I, got 37% in the last election, and they got a dominating majority. So I, I like I the way our system works because I don't like, the systems where the proportional representation you basically can you give me an example of a, of a system Israel. that's problem? Israel, yeah, Israel yeah. has had four elections in the last <laughs> four years. They're having another election, and yeah. you know, I mean, and and you believe that's because of the proportional representation? Absolutely. Yeah. Italy yeah. has had what yeah. fifty governments since post war. It's not it's not a pr official party position, but I think it's better to have. A stronger government. Um, um, so, so you're willing to live with the disadvantage that might occur to the Conservative Party in the short term, because the other thing is it might benefit you if in ever, the long term, in yeah, the longer term, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but you know what? As I said, it's not party policy; it's my own personal opinion. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know what Eric thinks about this. Um, um, I'd be curious to know because it's it's something that comes up every once in a while in Canada that people. It's not talk been about. an election issue this time. Not around this time around. Yeah, it hasn't been recently. Um, I believe the last. Well, time. you see, remember governments who are elected. Don't want to yeah, talk right, about it because right. because they got elected. They got elected. Right. So yeah. you know it's right. it's you know and it's all of the referendums in Canada that have looked at this. Uh, they've all been defeated. Which which referendum are you referring to? BC's had a couple of referendums really? on really? this. Yes, okay. yes. I didn't yes, know yes. that. Can they you, had one a few years ago. Can you describe it? What was it specifically? It was about proportional representation in in, really? in, in BC. Wow. But it it, it, yes. it asked for a high threshold. It didn't meet the high threshold. It was like sixty percent, I think. That, so it, it was it it said, would you like some simple question like to change the first yes. past the post to some exactly adding some proportional representation? Yes. yes or no? Yes. And the, it was a minimum sixty percent vote. Do you know yes. what the result was? Was I, it over 50? I don't yeah. remember. Because it would be interesting if it was over 50 but below 60, right? Yeah, Gordon, Gordon Gibson was in okay. favor of that. So, Yeah, okay. Um, I, I mean, I, there are some mixed systems which may work better, but I mean, so far I think our system works yeah, I, well. I, I want to be clear. I, I have always taken the view that I think we should be very, very careful Changing, changing the constitution system. should not yeah, well, be changing yeah. the shirts. Well, 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 yeah. Well, the other thing is, I mean, the last time I think we tried to change the constitution. Oh my God! How well did that go? Yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> right. It's like what could go wrong yeah. if we try it again? Right. So, I, just to be clear, I'm not proposing that something should be done immediately, but perhaps there's an opening with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II that maybe there's some sort of this is a federal on that level. 
you know, it's possible you could take something like the Senate and turn it into something that would be more directly elected in some way that would have so some... the Supreme Court said that's not possible. Is that not possible? Really? Yeah. No, okay. The Supreme Court's already ruled on that. Really? Okay. So that, that course is out of the, I don't know. Yeah. We made a, the, the, the federal Tories made a, because that was one of their, their, uh, things that they wanted an elected Senate and the, the Supreme Court said that's not possible. What was the grounds for this? Court I decision? don't Do remember. Know? Yeah, because I'm wondering I'm a what... doctor, not a lawyer. <laughs> right, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. All right, well, listen, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been really enlightening for me and I'm hoping that um, the proposal we had from... Uh, well, our, our friend proposed that um, you and I do this, but also that I meet with all with the other... Uh, candidates from NDG. That's uh, I'm not sure. It's I'm gonna, going to be hard. There's nine. Know, there's nine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's uh, uh, there's the Bloc Montreal. There's the Canada Quebec Party. There's that's Ballarama Wholeness yeah. Bloc Montreal. Right? Yeah, and then there's uh, the the Green Party, the Liberals, the PQ, the 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 CAC. I mean, there was and there were a couple of other okay. parties. I, the last time I looked, there were nine nine, nine parties. Uh, and, I, and, so, I'm, I'm, and there isn't much time left. Right, yeah. I guess we're halfway through September. It's coming up. Um, this is a bit of a radioactive question, but I mean, <laughs> but do you have any predictions for the election? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't some, know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, this is, a, 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 you know, I think we're going to win more seats than people think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes the Quebecers uh, make large scale changes and, we just had a rally in Quebec City. There were 3,000 people there. Um, wow. It was quite an impressive, and there were hundreds of people outside who couldn't get in. Really? Wow. Um, Interesting. You know, we, uh, we, everywhere Eric goes, he gets huge crowds. Uh, wow. You know, and if, look, he was in the debate. The PCQ wasn't in the debate the last time, remember? So that's a big thing. That's a big thing. So I think that gives you kind of instant credibility. And he was very good in the debate. I mean, I don't know if you watched the debate, but Eric was... As I said, I heard the zinger line. That I thought yeah, was but there were many other friend. things. Yeah. You know, I, I think yeah. Eric did very well. And, and there's going to be another debate. And I think he's going to do well again. And As you kind of know. Yeah. And uh, he's on the media constantly. And uh, you're going to be interested to hear him tomorrow. I think... Uh, in the next few days, we're going to get an we're going to get a an interview that he did with Jordan Peterson is coming out. So, so that is coming out. I heard last night from Christian Gravener that that interview had been so that that's going to help a lot because Peterson has, I think, helped his interviews. He interviewed uh, Polyev. Yeah, that, that interview got two million hits. Two million. Wow. So yeah. you know, and so. and there are a lot of people in Quebec who know who Jordan Peterson is. So yeah. we'll see, and it will make the Quebec media go crazy. <laughs> they've already denounced him for doing it. So. Peterson? No, they've denounced, they've denounced Eric. For Eric, doing it. really? Yeah, yeah. What? Because he's talking to a Nazi? Is that or something oh, like? I mean, I, I mean, I'm, not, I'm being facetious, obviously, but Jordan Peterson is what he, you know. He was like caricatured as Doctor Evil in some cartoon and all this stuff, right? So it's. Yeah, that, I guess I just, I would say that that's a really, what you're pointing out is interesting that... Um, I think we're, we're going to bypass somewhat, somewhat the media, in, in spite of the fact that Eric is an expert on the media. Eric was in the media. He he, he knows yeah. the media well. Is he a journalist? He was, he was, a, he was a chronicler, of, how do you say that in English? Um, uh, he, he used to write for the Journal de yeah. Montréal. He was a radio uh, talk show host Columnist. in Quebec's. 
Columnist. For the Journal de Montréal, right? For the Journal de Montréal and, and some other newspapers. And he's written in the National Post and a lot of other places. And he was a talk show host in Quebec City for many years. So, yeah. uh, in fact, one of his co-hosts was Bernard Dranville. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he knows yeah. the Quebec political scene intimately. I mean, you cannot have, a, and he's smart as a whip. And, he does seem very smart to me. And, when I see him. you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's I, I I can't say enough nice things about my friend Eric. So. Well, it's interesting because in, in the federal election, the, the the corollary thing would have been Maxime Bernier being allowed into the debates in some respects. Because it, not that I'm not comparing your party to the PPC, but just the fact of being an outside political party coming in from well, the outside. Had, so so some, that's a real coup. We had an MP, so Claire Saint-Saëns crossed the floor. Oh. From the CAC during the last session, and okay. we had an MP. She didn't run again, okay. um, but wow. we had an MP. So that was that was a that reason. must have made a difference. The yes. PPC had one MP, but that was Bernier himself, and then he was not reelected. That's correct. So it's a similar thing in some respects because she was not reelected, right? She she didn't she run had, again. She, had, she retired. Right. Okay. She retired. So oh, and Claire is a wonderful person, and she okay. does, she yeah. she's done some amazing stuff with us. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean the the one the one thing I mean I wouldn't do a prediction, uh, but I, I personally, I'm, I'm hoping you know. around ten twelve seats. But remember, Mario Dumont came from nowhere That's and right. got yeah. thirty one forty one well, seats. He, he was in he was in the opposition, and they were yeah. not ready for it. Yeah. It didn't work out very well. But yeah. your organization seems a lot more. Well, we've done pretty well. I mean, yeah. you know, we have one hundred and twenty five uh, people running, uh, lots that. of lawyers and more doctors. than the liberals. More the liberals than the liberals. Are, <laughs> There's 124. I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, it's very possible that the Liberals and the PQ, the parties that ruled Quebec for, for many, years. many yeah. years, yeah. will fade away. I mean, just remember the Union Nationale. Was, I mean, yeah, it's basically, uh, it, it, it hobbled along until the 1990s yeah. and it folded. I, I, I could see that with the PQ, but the, the Big Red Machine has been going literally for centuries. So I, I, I don't think... So where, gonna, why have they not well, been able to even... I, Remember federally when when they were in third place and people were predicting they were going to be gone. In two, I thought, oh, that, and then boom, they came you, back. So. You know, watch I, what yeah. happens when Trudeau leaves. Yeah. Remember, you think that they might be gone even federally? Yeah. Well, look, name yeah. me a province where there's a liberal party now. Uh, well, there's one government. You mean a government in power or a party yeah. that's, that could take power? There, Ontario, the Liberal Party is not a party. They didn't get enough seats to be an official party. Really? They have eight seats. Really? Yeah. Wow. The only government left of a, a liberal is the federal government and the government of Newfoundland. That's incredible. That's in the okay. West. Yeah. They don't exist. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, I know that Alberta the, hasn't had a liberal party for a hundred years. Liberal party. I don't know. The, liber, yeah. the liberal party yeah. in, in British Columbia is really not a liberal party. Yeah. It's sort of a coalition. Uh, there are liberal parties in some of the maritime provinces. None of them are in power. Interesting. Um, so it could be uh, just you're making me think that in the 20th century, the, the the Liberal Party, both in Quebec and in Canada, and into, you know, was very dominant. I, I did I did an analysis once from 1900 to 2000. The Liberal Party federally 70 percent of the time. So you've done the same content analysis, and I did the same thing for the U.S. and it was 48 52. So it was pretty much equally demo for presidents, uh, not for the Congress or whatever. But you're making me think in the 21st century, it could be that the the, the liberal parties, both federally and in many provinces, could be on its way 
down. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I look, a risky proposition. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're a very, it's a powerful brand. It is. But you know yeah. what? I mean, uh, I, parties don't live forever. The Liberal Party in the UK died off and became yeah. the Lib Liberal Democrats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? I, I, I got to tell you that you know, young people are beginning to see that their future is, is in somewhat, it's difficult to buy a house. Yeah. It's difficult to to get a job. It's difficult to live the same way that you and I have had the, the great pleasure of living. Um, so it could be conservative parties are maybe going to be able to speak to that. that well, younger, I think which that, is very ironic, I think, right? I think conservative yeah. parties yeah. and parties of the working, should be the parties the of the working people. class and the yeah. working class people because we, we reflect their values values you know yeah on on, on just on, on an interesting note about that conservatism is a lot of people, i think a lot of people confuse it with fascism and conservatism and fascism are like a lot of people think if someone's I, really conservative they're like a I, fascist. i, I have right? some libertarian yeah. views but i'm a burkean in the in the sense that i believe in the little platoons i believe mm -hmm. that the best people to help you are your family the people mm -hmm. around you your church the community um, the government and the government because the away. government has actually not done a very good job That's in helping true. people you know <laughs> the I mean, track record the, of the, it the government yeah. has has yeah. not really done a very good job of helping people and 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 it does it in a very inefficient way mm -hmm. um and I, I think some of our reforms would be to help people help themselves more help help your family more help your yeah. children more help help your neighbor more you know today uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. Karim Elayubi, uh, was saying, you know, call call one of your, an elderly person in your neighborhood every day. Yeah. yeah you just yeah. call for five minutes. Say hi. Loneliness has become yeah. an overwhelming problem in, in, in North America. And the pandemic just made it worse. Yeah, that's it just made it worse. And so there are so many old people who are, you know, I mean, I see it in the hospitals. I have patients who come in. No one ever visits them. Yeah. I mean, wow. you know. That's, boy, that's, it's very interesting. That, you know, it makes me think that conservatism, so part of it is sort of a social conservatism of just thinking, trying to think outside yourself. But it's also a connection to freedom. I mean, you know, Winston Churchill bragged that he saved freedom from fat and he was a staunch burkey and conservative old guard and and uh, he literally used the word freedom right i so, think the you know. extreme right and the extreme left are sort of merging into one mass of yeah of irrationality of, not yes. just irrationality <laughs> yeah. you know they yeah. they they seem to think that they know how, better how to deal with things than we than are we ourselves do. Also, they I, don't I, believe in the individual. I, yeah, you believe I, in the individual. I, I believe, I, in, the I believe in the individual. Yeah. I yeah. believe that that that's an important thing, to, and we have to respect people's opinions about things. And you know, I have friends who have vastly different political opinions than myself, yeah. but we're still friends. And I'm not going to lose a friend because I completely <laughs> disagree with them. I have friends who are communists. I had friends who were separatists for years. I, uh, I, I, I still I still do. I still know uh, you people know, who are I, I yeah. still have friends who are separatists, yeah. sovereigntists. Um, you know, I mean, Eric is, was a sovereigntist at one point. Was he uh, really? Yeah, long, yeah, long time ago. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting because it it really it really speaks to this idea that the individual is a, is a sovereign thing in some respects, and that and that you should be able to disagree with a person without that person being evil. I really believe that some politicians, I who I won't name, I th I think they think that. 
if a, if a person doesn't agree with them, then they just don't have all the facts. And if I just sit down with them and show them, and it never crosses their mind that maybe they've seen the facts and they just have come to a different conclusion, you know? I'm, I'm a religious person, and I believe everyone has a little spark of God in them. Yeah. A little yeah. spark of the divine. And you have to respect that. Yeah. You have to respect that, you know? I mean, love thy love thy neighbor is, is yeah. the second and great commandment. And, you know, I think we... we we forget to love our neighbor. We things have been so divisive in the last few years. It's it's been very sad. I think, you know, we showing showing respect and affection and love for your your fellow, fellow citizens fellow citizen. is yeah. would go a long way to, you know, bridging some of these gaps which people seem to think. I mean. I mean, I hope I hope we never become like the U.S. that way. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So divided. It's yeah. so divided, and yeah. it's sad because you know what? We're we we disagree on ten, fifteen percent of things That's most right. of the time, yeah. and you know, it's 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 time to it's yeah, time we'll, to we'll, remember that we have much more in common <laughs> than we have differences. So we're we're definitely moving in that direction because I, I have some family members who are they have very different political views, and I. I'm always trying to tell them, look, I love you, you're my cousin, but just we have this different view. And then and then sometimes I'll get these responses by text of like sort of all these links to articles about why I'm wrong or whatever. It's like Okay. You know, and I'm kinda of, and I'm kinda of like, okay, you know, if you have a different view, it's okay. Yeah. I don't understand. Exactly. You know? What's exactly. the big deal? And if and it doesn't mean that like I'm evil or you're evil or I'm all good or you're all good or whatever. So listen, so this is a nice way to end it, that the divinity of the individual and that people can disagree peacefully. So I want to thank you again for taking the time. It's okay. really it's been really enlightening. And, All right. Uh, okay, and good luck to you. All right, thank page. you very much. Thank you for listening to today's guest on the Mega Blast Podcast. I've been your host, Jason McDonald. This podcast is brought to you by Arts and Opinion, an online journal, which is also available in the permanent archives of Canada. Visit us online at artsandopinion.com. 